Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we're to look like Him. We're to live like Him. We're to act like Him. We're not to be politicians in the church trying to lift ourselves up or get a position or do things in a way where we're pushing and promoting self. It's only promoting Christ. He is the only one that's to be lifted up. Are you busy building your own kingdom while neglecting God's? Are you carefully making a name for yourself or bringing glory to His? In today's message, Pastor Ed wants us to remember that as followers of Christ, our lives should be all about Jesus. We should never take center stage as we embrace His life. When people think of you, what comes to their mind? Because you can't preach Christianity without including the very center of its message. Humility, obedience, and sacrifice. Well, let's join Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians chapter 2 with his continuing study entitled, Have the Mind of Christ. If you and I were on the committee where he should be born, what his entrance into the world would be like, we might pick Caesar's palace or perhaps the high priest's home, some important place of prominence, but God chose a couple in poverty, chose a place of obscurity. Christ is humble. He came down to earth and then he took upon himself the form of a servant, a slave, so that he might serve us. He came down and then he came down again. He hung on the cross And he died the death of a criminal. No Roman citizen could die that type of death. It was a horrid death that Roman citizens were excluded from. But Jesus died a horrible, horrific death. Christ came down in humility. But Paul didn't stop there. Paul continued. He showed us how God lifted him up. In in fact, Jesus told us, he said, for anyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. James, the Lord's brother, said it this way, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. So humility is the way to bring the mind of Christ to the body of Christ, to bring peace to our home, tranquility to our family. I want you to look at how God exalted Jesus because the passage that we're going to focus on this morning is verses 9 to 11. And I want you to see the contrast between his humbling himself and the Father's exalting of him. You notice that first, Jesus receives the exalted place. The exalted place in verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. In the Greek, it gives the idea he was super exalted. Now, how did he exalt him? What is he referring to? I believe here, 
Paul is echoing Isaiah chapter 52, where you have the prophecy concerning Messiah. These verses are an echo of the prophetic word concerning Messiah given by Jesus. And it speaks of his resurrection. He was exalted by the resurrection. In verse 32, Peter the apostle is preaching and he says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of the fact. He's preaching to the Sanhedrin in chapter 4, Peter. And he says this, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. They tried to kill the prince of life, but they couldn't. The grave couldn't keep him. Death couldn't hold him. The devil couldn't keep him down. And he was raised from the dead. What a blessed hope that is for you and me to know that when they put the dirt on the coffin and they say dust to dust, ashes to ashes, you're coming back. You're coming back. If you know Christ as Lord and Savior, you're going to come out of that grave because Jesus said, because I live, you too will live. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me will never die. The resurrection of Jesus is your promise that you too will live that if you believe in Christ you will live forever and so Jesus was very high he was exalted to a high place the grave couldn't hold him but he ascended to heaven also and I believe it's referring to that in Acts 1 9 the disciples were gathered and they were asking what's the last days going to be like and they're all concerned about the second coming which is a good thing to be concerned about but Jesus right in the midst of them he begins to go up into the air he begins to ascend to heaven and they're watching him I mean He's going up into the very heaven of heavens until they can't see him anymore. And they're still looking. And the angels appear. And they said, he's going to come back in the same way he left. God the Father lifted him up. He raised him up from the grave. He lifted him up and received him to heaven. In Timothy it says, 1 Timothy, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body, vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, announced to the nations he was believed on throughout the world, and taken to heaven in glory. Uh, it doesn't end there. Uh, he, you see the exaltation of Christ that he is at the right hand of the Father, the place of power and authority. In Acts chapter 5, 31, you see the exaltation of Christ. We've looked at the resurrection, the ascension, and the exaltation. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. He's at the right hand of the Father. This mirrors, echoes the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. It reads, 
Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. That means wisely. This is Isaiah's prophecy. Whatever Jesus did, he would accomplish the divine purposes for which he was sent. He will deal wisely, prudently. He will be exalted. That's the resurrection. He will be extolled, the ascension. He will be very high, raised to the right hand of the Father. Now, some would say that Jesus was God, and he was. He was in the very form of God, the expressed image of God, before he came into this world. Well, it doesn't mean that he was exalted, he was high. I would define it this way. Years ago in India, the Prince of Wales visited one of the cities. And the people in that city were enthralled with this good and kind and generous man. He made some speeches and they listened to him. And as he was leaving, crowds from the city gathered to send him off. And as they were there, the prince noticed a young boy by the railroad tracks in a dangerous place. And the prince ran over, scooped up that boy and put him on the side in a place of safety. And the crowd just began to shout and cheer him. See, he was exalted in their eyes even more than before when they saw his actions. We understand that the God of the Old Testament is shepherd. Our Savior is called the Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God. But in his death, in his coming to this world, we have seen the heart of God, which is so gracious and good that he would reach down and embrace sinful humanity so he could take us back to heaven to be with him for eternity. He is very high in our estimation. We have seen this one who is willing to sacrifice everything for us. And so he is in an exalted place. He also has an exalted name. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 to 11, again, gave him the name that is above every name. Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, as you read the Greek grammar, what it's saying is that exalted name is Lord. Curious. That's in the Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. Whenever they came to Yahweh... They would translate it, Adonai, curious, Lord. Because the Jew was very careful about mentioning the name of Yahweh. In the synagogue, they would refer to Yahweh as Lord. Christians gave Jesus that title, Lord. He is the God of the Old Testament. He is the one who spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He is the one who led the Israelites through the desert. Names in Scripture are significant. They're not given arbitrarily. The Associated Press years ago talked about a young girl in London, in England, who was given 139 names. Parents wanted to do something different. So uh, the name went uh, something like this. Tracy, Marcy, Claire, Lisa, Tammy, Samantha, Christine, Alexandria. Oh, you get the idea. You know, 139. 
But the names of Jesus are significant. And the name that's above every name is the name of God himself, Lord. He is the God of the Old Testament. Make no mistake, he is almighty God. He always was and always will be. He is the eternal existing one. He's not a created being. He is the creator. I, uh, I think of Acts chapter 10 and then Revelation uh, 36. It says, You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Revelation 17, 14. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with Him will be called His chosen and faithful followers. So we acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of lords, the King of kings. In the crown room in the Tower of London, uh, there's diadems from the British monarchs for eight centuries. All these crowns worth maybe a billion dollars or more. Jesus is going to wear all of those crowns, casting our crowns at him. When we say, all hail the power of Jesus' name. We're recognizing that he is king of kings and lord of lords. Uh, we're not just giving him lip service. We're saying that he's the lord of our life. He determines our future. He determines our destiny. He determines our decisions. We make our decisions on the basis of who he is. He is my lord. In verses 10 to 11. Now catch the nuance here. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. The idea is a future tense. Should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is curious to the glory of God the Father. Notice, every knee will bow. I was raised Catholic, and we were taught that when you walk past the center of the church where they kept the chalice and the communion elements to genuflect. And we would do that. I remember as a young person, every time we would come past the center aisle, we would genuflect and kneel down. Well, that was a way of paying homage, of showing reverence and respect. But someday, every single knee is going to bow to Christ. Now the scripture says, in heaven, every archangel and every angel, every principality and every power. On earth, every single man and woman and child is going to bow to him. There are rulers of kingdoms who wanted men to bow to them. But Alexander the Great in that day and Caesar in that day and Napoleon in that day will bow and acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Supreme Lord. Every intellectual, every brilliant mind from Einstein and Galileo and the whole host of them will bow their knee and acknowledge him as Lord of Lords. The nations will be gathered together and the people of the earth Earth, and everyone will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
In the Old Testament, God said in Isaiah chapter 45, verses 22 to 23, Turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn my mouth has uttered it in all integrity, a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. The Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, every tongue will confess. Paul the Apostle is reaching back into the Old Testament, into the book of Isaiah, and applying this to Jesus. He's saying that Jesus is God. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the one who every knee will bow to, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Now it says every tongue, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There are those who curse his name. There are those who use it as a swear word. There are those who speak of Christ with mockery in their heart. In Daniel, the seventh chapter, Daniel has a vision. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples and nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. There in that kangaroo court that the Sanhedrin pulled together to discredit Jesus and to send him to the cross with All sorts of false accusations. He gives a true testimony, our Lord. He says to them, and he's reaching back now to uh, Daniel the prophet. He's reaching to Daniel when he says, Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is God. And so God the Father said, I'm going to exalt him, and all the world is going to know who he is. All the world will one day bow at his feet and worship him and acknowledge him as Lord. We have the opportunity to do it now. I want to just put it on pause for a moment. Go back to the beginning with me. Look at what Paul is talking about earlier in chapter 2. He says this, Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same... Love being one spirit, one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Jesus, we're to look like him. We're to live like him. We're to act like him. We're not to be politicians in the church trying to lift ourselves up or get a position or do things in a way where we're pushing and promoting self. It's only promoting Christ. He is the only one that's to be lifted up. Many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Didn't we not cast out devils in your name? 
And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. They were building their own kingdom, not his kingdom. They were glorifying their own name, not his name. And as followers of Christ, it's about Jesus. He is center stage. He is the bright and morning star. He is the one that all of us are to gather around and support. And all of us are to glorify. Pride through Satan out of heaven and into hell. Pride caused our first parents to be expelled from the garden. Pride changed angels into devils. Pride changes friends into enemies. Pride ruins relationships. We're to embrace the life of Christ and humble ourselves. A baker in a small European village is wanting to help the children in poverty. And so he decided to bake some loaves of bread and give free loaves to these children who came from very hungry families where they had very little food. And so all the children in that neighborhood had gathered in the bake shop and they had the loaves of bread in a basket And the children began the fight. Who got the biggest? Who got the best-looking piece of bread? One little girl in the back just waited so patiently. And she went and took the last one that was left, the smallest of all the loaves of bread, and happily went home. Well, the baker did the same thing again. And all the children in the neighborhood once again gathered in the bake shop, and again... The story repeated itself. Children took the best and the biggest, but yet this young girl stood at a distance and waited until all had gotten what they wanted. And then when she came up, she took the smallest one that was, that was the one that was left and went home. When she went home, they cut the bread open and there was money. Mom said, sweetheart, they made a mistake. Go back. Return this to the baker. She went back and she said to the baker, there was an accident, a mistake. There was this money in the loafer. He said, no, that was no mistake. He said, I watched you last week and I decided to put a gift in the smallest loaf. God has a gift for all of those who will humble themselves in their marriage who will humble themselves in the church, who will humble themselves before him, he will lift them up. He will exalt them in due time. Leave it in his hands. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Humble yourself before the Lord. And he will lift you up in honor. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Leave it all in his hands. He knows. He sees. He hears. And when we walk in humility, we're walking in the footsteps of Christ. Commonly called the Book of Joy, Philippians is a powerful book to Christians. 
This book exhorts us to have joy in the midst of trying times, to be united as Christians by our head, Jesus Christ, and to be people with testimonies in our communities that are known to be honorable. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. This 19-part series will certainly encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Perhaps today's message sparked a thought in your mind, an area in your walk with Jesus where you need to grow. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media player. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join us as Pastor Ed continues teaching through the book of Philippians right here on Voice of Faith.